Hey, everybody. Welcome to How Leaders Lead. I'm David Novak, and I'm here with the cool Kula Callahan. Hi, Kula. How are you doing today? Hey, David. I'm doing great. Doing better now that I'm cool Kula. <laughs> in today's Three More Questions episode, we're going to do a deeper dive into the conversation I had with last week's podcast guest, Guy Raz, the host and creator of the podcast, How I Built This and Wisdom from the Top. The main takeaway of that episode is that as leaders, we need to act in service of others to help our team be at their best and give them what they need to be successful. David, you lead this way, but I'm curious, before we get into our official three questions, I want to know who modeled this for you throughout your career. Does one person come to mind? I can't really name just one person because one of the great blessings that I had is that everybody that I work for ultimately became a CEO or a functional leader in that company. So these people were very good and they knew the key to success was really to develop their people and help them become the best that they could be. And I was the beneficiary of that. And one guy I will always just credit forevermore is a guy by the name of Tom James. I worked with him when I was in the advertising agency business and he had an MBA, which I didn't have. And he worked at Procter and Gamble, which was the best packaged goods company that you could possibly work in. And this guy just took me on board and he wanted to teach me everything that he knew. And if it wasn't for Tom James, I guarantee you, I wouldn't have been able to start climbing up the ladder of so-called success. Well, it was an inspiring conversation with Guy. And like you've said, that approach to leadership, serving the people you lead, is a trait of great leaders everywhere. And for those of you who haven't heard that episode, jump back in the feed and give it a listen. You'll really, really enjoy it. You know, when I think about all the podcasts I've done, the leaders in every kind of industry, they all have this serve the people that serve you mentality. I don't care if it's Dan Cathy at uh, Chick-fil-A who has the highest average volume units in the world. He's so people focused. And you can tell that when you walk into any one of his restaurants or just get the drive-through service that they have. Or if you talk to a guy like Jamie Dimon, who's in the financial industry, Jamie is just a talent magnet and really believes that you got to develop people. Sean Noon, Narayan at Adobe is so focused on his people. Ajay Banga at MasterCard. I mean, I could go on and on. I, you know, I can't really stop thinking of all the people that are out there because the ones that are really successful, they have that mindset. They absolutely do. Well, it's time for today's three more questions, David. Are you ready for it? All right. I thought we already had one. Well, that was a pre-question <laughs> question. That was like okay, question all right, zero. All right, let's go. We're, we got some bonus <laughs> content today. All right. Question number one. Guy's take on happiness is that happiness is actually hard to obtain. What do you do to take care of yourself and find joy when you're faced with the pressures and responsibilities of being a leader? I really think you got to take care of yourself physically and mentally. So every day I work out before I go to work. I think getting that work in gets me feeling good about my body, makes me feel better about myself staying in shape, gets my blood flowing. It's one of those things I've got to do. If I don't do it, it creates more anxiety for me. So I got to get it out of the way and it really gets me into more of a healthy frame of mind. And then the other thing that I do, you know, I love to start out each day by being grateful, thinking about people that I'm grateful for or things that are in my life that I'm grateful for. And I actually write down uh, things that I'm grateful for in a gratitude journal that my granddaughter, Audrey, gave me. And she gives me one of those every Christmas and I look forward to it. She designs 
arrange it for me. But that even just looking at that journal where I see this, she's got this picture of the ocean and the sun coming up. And, you know, it just makes me think, God, I got the greatest little grandkid. She's so amazing. I got such a great family. All of that helps me get into that frame of mind that you got to have because it makes me more joyful. Okay, this is a follow-up, so more bonus content for you. But how do you scale that? Because I know how important it is to operate from your joy builders. But what do you do when the business needs don't necessarily align perfectly with what your joy builders are? Oh, I think the way how you scale it is you talk about how important it is to you and how important it is to the people that you work with to find the same way to to get their mood elevator up, you know, to get their joy uh, happening in their life. So I think as a leader, the way how you scale it is you talk about it. You really emphasize the importance. And people do what the leader does, Kula. I mean, if this is something that's important and works for you, people have a tendency to follow that shadow. It's so interesting, too, when you actually start talking about what is it that brings you joy? People really do latch onto it, and it it transforms the organization. All right, question number two. Guy says, if he had one liability as a leader, it's confrontation. David, how do you get better at confrontation? Because it's something that everybody has to face as a leader. Cool. Well, let me tell you something. If I had 100 people in a room and I asked everybody to raise their hand that loves confrontation, nobody would raise their hand. This is something that everybody avoids. People don't like it. Yet it's a fundamental that's key to becoming a really outstanding leader. And so I think the first thing you have to do is recognize that you got to get good at making conflict happen. Not just conflict, but productive conflict where people can really get their issues out on the table and you can have what I call healthy debate and then make a healthy decision. And then when it's over with, you say, gosh, look at this. We've been fighting for the last half hour. We've come up with this solution. I mean, this is healthy debate, healthy decision. This is what we got to have around here. We got to get out what's inside of our brains. And if we don't do it, we're not doing ourselves a service. We're doing the company a disservice. We're doing the people we have a privilege to lead to be a disservice. Your job as a leader is to be a miner of conflict and make it productive. In fact, one of the things I do, just as a little tip, is I really believe that the role of the leader is to sniff out conflict. I learned this by reading Patrick Lencioni's book about five dysfunctions of a CEO. And one of them was that they're terrible at uh, conflict. And he talked about the importance of sniffing out conflict anticipate it. For example, if you're going into a meeting and you're going to be talking about pricing, you know that the CFO wants to take that price increase. And you know that the marketing person typically doesn't want to take the price increase. And so you ask them how they're feeling about it. You don't let them sit there and just kind of frown and turn their nose up when, you know, somebody says something that they don't like. You bring it up. You get the issue out on the table with the people that you know are going to have conflicting decisions. And that leads to healthy debate, healthy decision. You know, one thing I experienced early in my career was having to fire somebody for the first time. And I think probably some of the younger leaders who might just be starting out in their careers will have to face this at some point. And I remember I'm terrified of conflict. And thanks to a lot of reading and learning from other leaders, I've developed it. But I remember the first time I had to fire somebody and I was terrified. I was sweating. I couldn't breathe. My like blood pressure was through the roof because I was so afraid that they were going to hate me after. And so when you kind of make that shift of conflict is not actually a bad thing, it's not personal, but in order to be productive and move forward and make smart, wise decisions, we have to have this. 
So I love the tip that you offered there about sniffing it out. I think that'll be really helpful to a lot of folks. I remember the first time I had to let somebody go and I botched it so badly. I mean, I'm getting a little bit off track. I said something that is the stupidest thing in the world that you'd never want to ever say to anybody. I said, I know how you must feel. Okay. And she looked at me and she said, you have no idea of how (laughs) I feel. And she was so right. You know, in my desire to be empathetic and to show a little bit of concern, she wanted nothing of that. And I don't blame her. It was a stupid thing to say. But, you know, I have learned, just like you have, that it is a very confrontational situation when you have to go through the conflict and the pain of letting somebody go. But it's something that we all need to learn how to do and do well. All right. Question number three, final question of today's episode. I love when you ask Guy about a story from his past uh, that has shaped who he is as a leader. And he tells about how he was ousted from his role working on the student newspaper in his high school. David, what's one story from your childhood that's helped shape who you are as a leader? You know, when Guy was talking about his experience, I couldn't believe it because I was actually the sports editor of my high school newspaper. And then I became the editor of the high school newspaper. And it was something that was very important for me because I wasn't the best athlete. I was on the baseball team, but I didn't grow like I wanted to grow. And I wasn't as tall as I needed to be to really play basketball, which I wanted to be great at, but I wasn't. So I picked up something that I was actually good at. I was a really good writer and I was able to demonstrate that skill. And I remember with Mr. Harp, who was my high school English teacher, he said, David, you're going to make $100,000 someday and you're going to work for the New York Times. I thought that was so great because he conveyed confidence in me and let me know that I was really good at something. And the other thing that was interesting, listening to Guy, he said he got ousted, you know, as the the editor of the, the newspaper. I almost got ousted when I was sports editor (laughs) because I wrote an editorial about our basketball team. And I said, if we could just get better coaching that could bring the team together and perform at a higher level, we could win the conference. And it wasn't too late, you know? And I ended up in the principal's office. But (laughs) that was some conflict I really didn't need to have, but I had it. That did not land well with the basketball team. <laughs> I wasn't there, clearly, but I can imagine that that did not I go think well. the basketball team agreed with me. The faculty <laughs> didn't, you know. They couldn't believe that this smart-ass high school kid was actually uh, taking on the coach. But that anyway, hilarious. I shouldn't have done it, but I'm kind of glad I did. I'm kind of glad you did, too. Hopefully, they're still <laughs> talking about it at your high school. <laughs> uh, I don't think so. I missed the reunion. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> All right, that wraps up our three more questions episode for today. Thanks so much again for tuning in to another episode of How Leaders Lead. We're on a mission to make the world a better place by developing better leaders. And if you carve out a little time with us each week, we'll help you build the confidence you need to lead well. That's great, Kula. And we'll see you on Thursday for my conversation with Marissa Thalberg. She's the Chief Brand and Marketing Officer at Lowe's. And I know you're going to enjoy learning from her.